Hey, hey, it's the second episode of Playboys Extra. Myself and PJ. Hello there. Or as they say, Ponosk in Norwegian, hello there. All right. PJ, you'll have to tell me the play is called The Newly Married Couple. I cannot pronounce the author's name. Well, yes, indeed. So we've taken, um, it's, it's the Norwegian National Day. So congratulations to Norway. Um, hope you're celebrating well. Releasing this episode for free, actually, for the full week, um, because we believe it's, it's why, why not encourage Norwegian literature a bit more? The guy is called Bjorn Stjernje Bjornsson, but probably the Norwegians are laughing about my pronunciation. It's a uh sound. And bless him, it's probably the main reason why he's not as popular as Ibsen, because mm. Henrik Ibsen is a lot more pop, uh, easier to pronounce than Bjorn Stjernje. Well, I was saying Bjornston Bjornston, so I think you're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, who is this guy? He is a, he is a Norwegian playwright around the same time as Ibsen. And in fact, he is considered with Ibsen uh, to be the four great Norwegian writers. Lea and Keeland are also in that group there. And do you know the connection between Bjornsson and Ibsen? I didn't know there was one. There is a deep connection. Um, his daughter married his son, Henrik Ibsen's son. All right. So there you go. So they actually go. That's, Good. That, that's actually a little bit of a fun fact there. But only later on when they were already both well-established authors. Ah, right, and, right, okay. Well, Ibsen is more famous. But to be fair now, Bjornsson... Um, uh, Bjornsson did win the Nobel Prize in 1903, which Ibsen didn't, but he's not as well remembered. And I suppose his plays are not really well known. Is he's probably one of the most least famous? He's probably one of the among the least famous uh, Nobel writers. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. 1903 is quite quite yeah, it's quite old. Uh, so, what do you think of him, Dean? Um, I didn't know him before. I just thought, I just thought, why not try out this writer? Well, I suppose what uh, I'll say is, Norway. just quickly, you mentioned that we're going to put this episode out for free just to celebrate the Norwegian Day for a, for a week. Yeah. But anyone who is listening on the free version, you know, it'll be available afterwards on Patreon, where we also reviewed mm-hmm. Ibsen's Dollhouse. So that's already out. So if anyone yes. wants to get that on Patreon, um, I like so this, we, we, and I liked it more than Dollhouse. Oh, well, that's, you see, that's interesting because Dollhouse is the one that's really famous. But, uh, you know, at the time, they were just as famous. They were just as famous. And I'd say that it was 50-50. And in Norway, even now, the national anthem is written by Björnsson. So he's still got some reputation. But I'm just wondering, why is he not at all known outside? This is very surprising because I enjoyed this play a lot. I thought it was good. We Um, disagreed a lot on Dollhouse. I don't know if we're going to disagree so much on this one. I don't know. So well, anyway, let's let's get straight to it. So the plot is um, the plot is quite simple. Um, do, do you want to go ahead? Sure. I mean, I've, I've got some notes. So essentially, we have it's all centered around this girl Laura. We have her mother and yeah. father, who are unnamed. They're just mother and father, and yeah. and then her husband Axel, and also her friend. Um, and there's that's that's the essential cast. There's five people. Yeah, and that's it, so, right? Um, that is it. Well, once or twice a servant pops in, but that's that's basically it. Yeah. So we open, it's a two-act play. It is very short. Um, Laura wishes her mum and dad and her husband a happy uh, good morning to open the play, but she only kisses the mum and dad, not the husband. That was my first red flag immediately. In fact, I even saw uh, one red flag just before that, straight from the beginning. The setting is interesting because the setting is you've got the father reading a newspaper on the left of the stage 
And I, an identical uh, sofa on the right side of the stage is the newly married man not reading a newspaper. I already thought that was significant. Mm. Okay. Um, you know what? You so, could be right. You could be right. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Axel. And he was just, just the fact that the man is, the father's comfortably reading something and Axel's just staring, not being able not to concentrate anything, to read, really. is already yeah. showing some kind of tension. So then they start... Laura comes in, she sends her husband to get a shawl for her mum, then to put the shawl around her mum, then to ring for a servant. There's a lot of like, she's kind of telling him what to do in the beginning. Um, they announce the mum coughed during the night. So this sounds like really it's nothing, but they're very worried for her health. There, there's a bit of Molly cuddling going on. And don't forget, this is, a, this is a comedy, officially a comedy. Yeah. Um, we can, yeah. So Laura says she's not going to the ball tonight um, because her mum coughed. And I can't possibly go without my mom, even though, you know, it's with I'm going with my husband. And the, the, the thing that her husband points out is the ball is by his only friend in the area. So I don't know if he's moved to her area or what it is, but, you know, it's his only friend is putting on a ball specifically in honor of them and their new marriage. And she says, well, I'm not going without my mommy. So that's essentially and, it. I mean, the plot is is quite simple and. Axo is um, quite upset about it, right? Yeah, but eventually he agrees. He is a chap who will go along with things. He agrees, okay, I'll cancel. And then they say, actually, I think I'll get my dad to cancel. Like, it would, it would be better coming from him. Like, they don't really trust Axel to do anything. <laughs> yeah, nothing at all. And they've only been married two days. That's very important. Two right? days. And they, and they kind of and- refer to him as a stranger, as an incumbent incompetent stranger kind of yeah and he also bought her a new dress for the occasion which she's now not going to wear so i i feel sorry for this guy immediately <laughs> yes definitely yeah and it's 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 clear from the beginning it is a parody isn't it? it's a parody of 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 a of a, a victorian drama of that time and just like ibsen makes a lot of ibsen makes like a very harsh critique of this very conservative um kind of I don't know, like image-centered uh, Norwegian society. Mm. And I think Bjornsson does the same thing here, but with a lot of comedy and lightheartedness, yeah. I would say. I mean, I don't... It's a comedy, but I don't find it funny, let's put it that no, way. No, it's not funny. That Actually, the, this, the first act is almost a tragedy, isn't it? I find the second act, okay, here's a bit of comedy, but I find it almost a tragedy. Yeah. That's the interesting part. It's really, and... for me, it's pure uh, farce, not really comedy, like just, just farce. Yeah, Santa. I think so. Yeah. So he tries to have a sensible discussion with his new wife and she just cries and she's not really engaging in an adult conversation. She eventually now kisses him, but it's almost like a manipulative way. She cries and kisses him to try to kind of get her own way. She's, she's a child, she's, basically. She's, well, she is a child. That's the point. It, that yeah. goes to the next point that he tries to get her to come she, to, the, to this uh, ball and she's refusing and then he makes... It kind of makes it an important decision to tell the parents the situation they're in, that they're not happily married. He announces he, they're not happily married. He does. And at one point before that is he, he talks to Matilda and he says, actually, it's not her fault. I knew what she was like and I married her. I could never be angry with her. It's my oh, fault. Just to make clear, Matilda is a childhood friend who's the only character outside the family. For some reason, just kind of... For some she's reason, she's there. She's living there. <laughs> yeah. um, but it seems to imply, right? It seems to imply that Axo and Matilda had a thing. Something potentially in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Very vague. Very vague. So yeah. I have suspicions about Axel as well. There's the possible thing with Matilda. Once or twice, he says things that I are also red flags, you know, like a wife should obey her husband and that kind of thing. So yeah. I don't think he's, he's not Mr. Perfect, but no, most no. of the problems are on her side in this one, to be honest. Definitely. Definitely. So... 
we move on. He tries to confide in Matilda and, you know, she basically says like, not anymore. We're not doing that. So that's where we think, okay, maybe they had something before, yeah, but yeah. she won't, she won't let, take his confidence now. Um, and he says, can you try to get Laura to fall in love with me? And she says, no, but we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> um, mm. And he says, you know, look, the family, are all, he confides in the family, as you say, and he does a bit of singing and dancing and startles them a little bit. And then he says, look, mm-hmm. things are not going well. And he says, like, I want to go away. I want to be independent. I want to make something of myself. I want to get a job. And the dad just says, well, that's foolish. He says, if you want, you can work on my farm and I'll give you the money you need to do projects. But you're not, forget your university degree, forget your lawyer uncle and just stay here, basically. Like, they kind of want to own him. It's just like the reverse of Doll's Cage. Like, they want to have him in the cage. It's very strange. Yeah, exactly. No, no worries. Cage is very fitting. Uh, (laughs) But in fact, I have a quote here from the play. Um, he says to her, this is very interesting, mentioning Doll's House. Now, Doll's House is written after this. This is the 1860s, Doll's House in the 1870s. Uh, but Axel says, as he starts to discuss the situation, it becomes, he kind of like breaks away from this kind of Victorian indirectness. He talks very directly about what is his concern. Um, so not very realistic. It's not a realist play like Ibsen would do with his naturalism. This is really just a farce and it's a bit, this is not very realistic. But he says, you allow her to treat me simply as the largest sized of all the dolls you have given mm-hmm. her to play with. You cannot bear to see her give away any more of her affection than she might give to one of her dolls. So interesting parallel, once again, reversed. Yeah, he yeah. is a doll in her dollhouse. Where in his Ibsen's play, it's actually like, obviously the husband is keeping her like a doll and she's in a dollhouse. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. so there's some parallels. So they all gang up on Axel and they basically say he should be ashamed for the rest of his life or I'm not really sure why, just because he made her cry, I guess. Well, again, it's, it's, again, it's a farce, isn't it? it, it yeah. I feel like it, these are all relevant themes and he's just putting it in a, in a magnifying glass. Mm. So it's, it is unrealistic, everything, but it's, but nevertheless, it's kind of like he says he's never been ever disrespected in his life before. And he's obviously scandalous. scandalous. Yeah. And, and there are farcical elements where the dad will say things like there's never been a disagreement in, the, in this house in all the generations. Like, well, that's impossible. And, <laughs> and it's probably, it was probably funny at the time, even though I didn't find it very funny. I found it a good play. But it was probably funny at the time because it, because it was probably the kind of thing they maybe did say in the 1860s in Norway, really conservative society we already know from Ibsen's plays. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of like people will be maybe laughing because it's so exaggerated. It's almost true. You know, that kind of. Humor. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the parents want to know why she's crying, and he says, well, it's because she doesn't love me. That's our problem. He gives them a full confidence, and he says, um, she doesn't want to love me. She wants me to love you as much as she does. And the yes, mother says, yes. well, what's wrong with that? Like, like, these people just don't get it at all. Like, marital love, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they just oh. think that they should be loved. Um, but then, plot twist... And this is one thing oh. against the husband. They say, look, we told you she was a child. We yes. asked you to wait two years before marrying her and you wouldn't. And this is very interesting. If you're, if you're reading this, uh, people, uh, I really recommend you to read it. It's a very short play, accessible on, on Gutenberg, to be honest. We just got it uh, free. Um, I really recommend this because at this point it becomes interesting. I enjoy it more at this point because it becomes a bit more original i think because now you start liking the parents even though they seem like just parody figures yeah but now for some reason kind of like get what their parents are about even though they seem so stuck up they Ooh. generally they generally seem to love the daughter and they seem to have like kind of warned him and saying like what well, she's going she is still a child they say you're she's still a child so at this point of the play i'm imagining the laura the wife actually also being younger 
maybe like in a farcical way maybe she's possibly only 14 in and in actual oh, goodness. physical no but in the actual like i can imagine in the theater being in such a farce that she's 14 she's literally a child mm-hmm. or something like that so and that's you know yeah. no no i just think I, I, as a farce i would imagine that just because maybe. because in real society she was probably 17 was yeah. still ridiculously young or 18 so they're just saying was 18 you're still a baby and like you knew this and he does say like and, and they say but yeah you said that when you're with her it's like being in church you feel pure and it's an interesting parallel because it's, it seems to be more of a um innocent thing and he starts to say that yes but now instead of holding her he wants to possess her yeah instead of like just looking at her he wants to, to kiss her so it becomes from he says from now instead of a child you want her to be his wife and adult but you, men- you mentioned that we the parents win us over a little bit and that is actually how act one closes with the father se- so basically axel wants to take her away he says this is only going to work if we live on our own and they resist she doesn't want to go they don't want her to go but eventually the father makes a concession and he says you know you might be right and you know and he says those words you- you're probably right and in the end they agree that she can leave but matilda goes with them yeah, and she says, uh, yeah, she insults him and says she will go with, with them. Very absurd. But to be, again, this is a farce. So is this realistic? No, but probably in this time, there might have been situations where like this childhood friend, maybe someone who was an orphan or something like that, just goes with the wife. I mean, this is completely mm-hmm. unrealistic now, but maybe back then it wasn't too far-stretched, you know? And you know, so just... what's curious, what's curious, PJ, is we've read, that's there's two acts. There's only two scenes, really. And that entire first act was just one conversation, you know? Yeah. And the second act is one year later, another conversation. Yeah. So, like, there's there's not and... a lot of events covered in the play. When And I love the mise-en-scene, the setting of the second part. Yes. Because it's, it's in his house, but it's furnished exactly like the parents' house. With portraits of the parents on the wall. Uh, yes, and it says here, I think it says here, realistic, or what does it say? Yeah, realistic, something like that. Re- really well put, realistic portraits of the parents. Um, yeah, so they're there. You know, they're kind of there. They're always there. They yeah. never go away. And we open this act in the house, as you say, similar to the parents' one with the portraits and everything. And Matilda's reading a story to Laura that seems to be, it's by some new author, some new book. But this story, it's called The Newly Married Couple. And it's an exact parallel of Laura's story. And what was going to happen. And and the future is included, yeah. And it starts to mention some some of the problems with their relationship. And Axel's actually afraid of the book, really. But in this book, the woman is to blame. And that's something that Matilda makes clear. Well, this book is very important because it says what's going to happen. And so it's going to predict. And she's worried about this because the prediction is that she will leave him he will fall in love with this, with another woman and then she will want to get back with him. And, um, and yeah. she starts to suspect Matilda that Matilda will somehow be involved as the husband. And then all of a sudden she starts realizing that she might lose her husband. Mm-hmm. So one little thing happens before the big thing. I, we get a little bit more sympathy for Axel because he mentions that he's been slaving away, working really hard to keep her in the lifestyle that she's been accustomed to. And she doesn't not only thank him, but actually barely speaks to him in the house. Yes, for a whole year. For a whole and year. And Matilda's just kind of there, yeah. Uh, acting as an in-between, right? Because they, the wife and husband are not talking to each other. Yeah. And he confines in Matilda. So that's interesting. So he, so he starts to confide in Matilda then. And, but he starts to realize that he might have feelings for her. And she starts interrupting him at this point. 
Now this is where it starts to get interesting because I thought Matilda, I thought that's Matilda's whole point that she's, she's trying to steal the husband. I, yeah, really I wondered about that. I thought she had feelings for him. I wasn't really sure if he did for her. But what now happens is the parents uh, are, are arriving for a visit. They haven't seen each yes. other in a year. And yeah. Axel says, you know what? It's perfectly normal to see your parents. You know, I don't like somebody who takes someone away from their family. He's not trying to do that. He says, like, let them visit. There's absolutely no problem. She, I might take myself to... off, though. They don't want to see me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they say, no, no, you should stay. And Matilda says, look, you should definitely stay. So she's working on something. Um, and then he says, oh, but they're going to come and they're going to address all the complaints that you've written in your letters, Laura. And Laura says, oh, all my letters, I just said everything was fine. I never mentioned any complaints. And yes. he says, oh, that's so compassionate of you and so considerate. And Laura says, yes, I was being considerate, but not to you, to them. I didn't want them to worry about me. Like, what a horrible person. <laughs> well, yes, it doesn't seem that the relationship has been yeah, cured yet. But the parents come and they're smitten by the fact that it looks, they, they think it's the absolute sign of love that they he do. has put the arrangement, the furniture arrangement, um, just like their house. Mm-hmm. And this is a very big point, like ma- like materialistic society, you know? Yeah. It's a satire materialistic society that's so important to have the furniture and, and and the parents in the first act, they go mad when like the chairs are like in a different order. The father almost has a breakdown. It's a, Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's one little detail I don't want to pass over, which is that the parents are on their way. It's a quick visit and then they're going abroad and they want Laura to go with them. And Laura says, no, she doesn't trust her husband to stay with Matilda. That's implied. So that is yeah. interesting. Just on the back of what you were saying about, you know, him maybe having feelings for, for Matilda. Um, I've written down in my notes, horrible girl, um, because she wants to stay, not because she likes him, but just because she's suspicious of him. Um, and at this point, she throws a tantrum and she says Matilda is not her friend and that Matilda and Axel are conspiring against her. Um, yes. And Matilda actually says, to, Matilda's a perfect angel. And she says to, to Axel, I'm happy for her to think that I will be the scapegoat as long as, but her jealousy might make her love you. And then you've, you've got what you want. Yes. And so she's happy right. for that to happen. Yeah. So but that's still so uh... toxic. Like loving someone just through jealousy is so toxic. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It's not really. Uh, it's not really true love. It's again. It's a farce kind of. It's a farce of how to be a matchmaker, but in a broken society. Mm. I think it's. Um, I, I think mean, it's a portraiture of a of a very broken Norwegian society. It's yeah. You know, um, um, you know, Björnson was quite politically involved. He was very left wing, and he would have been very critical of society. So this is him mm. being very critical of society through through farce. So Matilda announces that she actually wants to go abroad. Somehow she's going with the parents, which is weird. Um, but she says, I'm not going until these two have made it up and everything works out. So she wants to take herself out of the situation and leave the ha- You know, she wants to help the couple get together and then leave. So she's not a temptation or anything like that. So I really, really like her. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. The parents see the identical house. They think this is the, the notion of love. They say this was never included in your letters. All her letters did was declare love. They didn't talk about the actual situation with the house. They didn't raise any actual issues or complaints. The letters were idyllic. Um, But the dad says, well, now I trust my son-in-law once I've seen the house. It's a big declaration of love. I'm really happy. And then we find out Matilda was the one who had recommended the parents make their surprise visit. So she's been trying to do good works in the background. And Axel starts to tell lies. He says, well, when she saw the house, she was so happy and she showed me gratitude and a hundred little tokens of affection. And Laura realizes that she didn't do any of that, but she should have. And she cries and hugs him 
and now she finally realizes that she has not been a good wife. And I wonder though, I think though personally, I'm not sure if he's lying. I think there might be a second story that I think uh, maybe what, you know, what has Matilda been doing the whole time? Maybe Matilda has been doing that because if you read very carefully, it's not that he ever saw her doing anything, Laura, but that he noticed the affections because whenever he would, he mentions that, oh, well, she avoided me. But whenever I came in late from the room, there was something left for me. I think maybe Matilda in some way was also maybe fixing. The you could well parents. be right. I mean, Laura says that she didn't do it, but you're right. Matilda could have done it. That's an extra I detail I didn't think I don't think it was lying, even though I thought at the beginning, okay, he's going to lie. Then I thought, well, yes or no, if you, if you just read it. Has, mm. There are like two underlining currents there. I like to think that he didn't lie and that maybe Matilda was involved, even though it's never clear. It's, but uh, I, I think that if he did lie, it was just to make the parents feel good and to make Laura feel good. Like it was the whitest of but, all possible lies, you know? But do you not think that contradicts his very honest manner in Act 1? I think it would make more... I just think... Yeah, I think it's open to interpretation here. But yeah, I yeah. think it's interesting you could be because... Right. I think it's interesting because he's very honest in Act 1. So it could be interesting that he's in a sense that he's honest here and it just happens to almost be t- too real to be true. Yeah. I, yeah, I know what you mean. It's difficult to know. It's so interesting be- though. Because the parents now like him, Axel says, you know, stay longer, delay your trip and stay with us. And Laura now says, no, mm. you should go. Uh, I want, and Matilda can go as well. I just want to be alone with my husband. So she loves uh, him that's now. That's what he wanted. Well, yeah, she's kind of like, she's kind of maybe realized Yes, not true love, but he's kind of she's kind of realized he's kind of she's kind of done now what he actually wanted. Act one was just just that yeah. to be alone away from the parents. But you know what? She she loves him not through. I was worried it was going to be through jealousy of Matilda. They didn't go down that route. But she loves him because she realizes he's done a lot of things for her. But that's still slightly toxic. Yeah. Like that's still not really it's love. Still materialistic. You know? Still materialistic, yeah. as I said. Um, and now we find out the closing lines, the final detail is that Matilda was the one who wrote the book as well. <laughs> Yes, and then it cuts off mid-sentence when Axel realizes that. And so all along, um, she so she wrote that book. And she said, we're now going to write a better one, thank God. And thank God it can leave now because yeah. it's finished. I'm going to write a better book. And kind of implying that uh, Bjornsson is now finished with this story and is going to write better mm. plays. This is an early play from Bjornsson. This is not really his mature stage. So maybe it's kind of thinking. I have that. written so. Laura, Horrible Girl, Matilda, Perfect Angel. Well, yeah, but he could have, I don't know, like, Matilda could be very manipulative. There's also an undercurrent of her, like, completely playing with these people's lives, you know. There's a cruel, there's a cruel intention. Um, I don't know. I mean, here, so. I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong to say that. It just, I saw her as just trying to help these people, you know, but. That, that's what I mean. It could be some interpretation. Intention. It could be cruel intention, angelic intention. I find it very multi-layered. Yeah. That's what I like about the play. It's not 100% clear. So for a short play that literally has two scenes, um, two conversations, I think it was very, very good. Yeah, I thought it was very good, yeah. And as I said, I find it good that it is quite multi-layered. It's, it reads very simply, but it's yeah, it gets you thinking a bit, yeah. I liked it, I liked it. It makes me want to read more of Bjornsson. I, I wasn't so sure what I would think of this guy, but uh, I feel like he deserves more attention. Definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to to read more if you want to do any more in future because I Definitely. I know this is part of like a three there's a three comedy set and then there's a three tragedy set and I'm willing to yeah, do any of those because I really enjoy this play. But it is similar to Doll's House in that these Norwegian plays seem to have toxic relationships. I think yeah, I'm getting the impression these Norwegian plays are very much about like these toxic conservative societies ruining people's lives because of what they have to kind of 
present to the outside world. Yeah. That's a very kind of the only real way that this was a comedy, as you say, it's a bit farcical and it has the happy sort of Shakespearean ending where they're all happy couples. But apart from that, there's no there's no humor in it. I think it's just it's kind of like a like like the Greek comedy in the sense of kind of cathartic, perhaps. I can imagine this was very popular. Ibsen's Mm -hmm. plays were not necessarily popular on the release, but this play uh, and Bjornsson's later plays were not necessarily popular in release either but this one was a huge hit when it came out and i can imagine that's because it maybe was cathartic they kind of yeah. you know it's still conservative so and it's not like scandalous like girl's house where they're just scandaled they said like, oh yeah this is us oh my god how embarrassing i can't believe i'm just like that that i'm just like that guy and my my father-in-law is like that i can imagine being quite cathartic but outdated now the company mm-hmm. do you know because I mean, this is very short to perform do they perform all three comedies in one you know with two intermissions in one go i don't do know, you know? And i'd love to know if you, if you have any comments guys i i do not know what bjornsson's um um reputation is like in norway because it's not at all played outside norway i think mm. I, I think it would be good if you did that with another uh, comedy of this mm. Yeah, because I, the, I mean, I think one. that you could do all three comedies in one go, just put like a fifteen-minute intermission in between each one, and um, because this is very short, yeah. like you know, you could you could act this entire play in under half an hour, I think. And very enjoyable. I thought I thought it's a good play. I enjoyed it and love to read more. And it becomes more uh, experimental later on, and also delves and in, dwells into naturalism, like Ibsen. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of different facets I find. And then it's going to start that, making me sad, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think one reason why it's not as popular is because um, as far as far as I've read, I, I, the the general public seems to think that his uh, the way the people speak in the original region seems a bit didactic and maybe unnatural. Whereas Ibsen seems to be a, a kind of a master in like real natural and yet effective Norwegian kind of or mm. Danish because they often spoken Danish. Uh, um, yeah, talking methods. Yeah. Okay. So it seems that he was maybe slightly old-fashioned, now even for the modern Norwegian. Well, but I still like you to give it a try, listener. It's a short play. It's very enjoyable, and it's celebrated the Norwegian holiday. A bit of sweet, a bit of Sweden. Sorry, a bit of Norway. Excuse yeah, me, and this has obviously fun. been a short episode, but that just reflects the short length of the play itself. You know, we've gone as as in depth on the the amount of content I think as we can. Well, we've gone, I think one and a half hours. I think for um for one of the Shakespeare ones. Uh, <laughs> yes. So plenty of Shakespeare adult house check it out on patreon if you're if you're lucky enough to be in this free week enjoy this episode and we're glad to be of service and happy holidays to all you norwegian folks and people who love norway all right guys you can get our free podcasts at booksboys.com or wherever you get your podcasts and you can get all of our other bonus shows on patreon patreon.com slash booksboys all of our shakespeare reviews uh, we've also got things like Film Fellows, Dark Place Dreamers, Caper Captains, and a whole lot of stuff on there. And I think that is us for today. All right, guys. Well, enjoy your holidays and enjoy Norway. See you. See you. <laughs> <laughs>